Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's the weekend. It's all about sports. And it's all on Sal's mind. It's Sports Talk Saturday with Sal Capaccio on WGR Sports Radio 550. I open up the show talking about Florida and Tennessee in the old days and Philip Fulmer and Steve Spurrier. And what do they do on game day? They got Philip Fulmer and Steve Spurrier on game day. What are they listening to WGR Sports Talk Saturday night? Is that what they're doing? They you probably know tune in to listen to you. I think my favorite part about it, too, is Coach Spurrier wearing the Florida, just like, yeah, I never coached South Carolina. I was always a Florida guy. That's funny, isn't it? I know, right? <laughs> he has all the Florida gear on. First game. I ever attended at the Carrier Dome football game. It had to be 1991, so it was uh, my first time there, my first uh, year there at Syracuse. I was, I was born that year. No, thank you. I'm old. I was a freshman in college the year you were born. Uh, I, and it was Florida at Syracuse. And Spurrier had just taken over like a year or two before. They'd just come out of um, probation and sanctions and things like that. And they were maybe top 10, if not like right up maybe 15. They were really good. Everybody knew they had a good team. They come to Syracuse, opening kickoff. Syracuse runs a reverse. Kirby Dardar, the guy's name, took it to the house. And I was actually working like concessions. It was my, it was my little job there as a freshman. And I couldn't believe how loud it was. It was amazing. Good years in football when I was there, but that was the first game I ever attended at the Carrier Dome. I never really got to watch the game because I was working and serving beer, basically. We were allowed to, even though we weren't 21, but we did that. Was that like the times when like the drinking age was like 18? No, <laughs> no, just stop. I'm, gonna, I'm going to have to maybe slap you before the show is over. You're going to be on next week, right? You're going to be doing this next week? Oh, yeah. So Nate and I will be rotating in and out. Uh, Sports Talk Saturday, according to the Bills' schedule and our schedules. Plus, uh, got some uh, other things going on as we go on through the fall season. So we'll let you know all about that. Thanks a lot to Alan Green joining me here on the program in the last half hour talking about UB tonight. They have a game against Army. You can hear that in our sister station, ESPN 1520. UB needs to get their first win. Tough loss against Albany. You wouldn't expect that a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago. And then they go out to Nevada last week. And that's a tough game, obviously, for them. A little, little bit of a step up in competition there. And, uh, you know, they, they, they fought well, but they were unable to get the win. Coming back home, you got an Army team that's 3-0. and You got a UB team that's fighting to get their first win. And hopefully that happens tonight. 
Lots of festivities going on before that. So check it out. Get on down there. The box office just opening now in Amherst. So thanks a lot to Alan Green joining me here on WGR. The cards and the bills get going tomorrow in Orchard Park. One o'clock. We'll have all the coverage for you here starting with breakfast with the bills at at what time? Seven o'clock is breakfast with the bills. Seven a.m. You don't do that too, do you? You oh, do yeah. so much now. Do. You do that one. I you do, do the breakfast with the bills and the Half late time. late dinner with the bills. Halftime, then late dinner. Yeah. Do you go home at all, or you stay here for your thirteen hour shift? Well, this week I'm doing. <laughs> I'm anchoring updates as well. Okay. So I'm I'm in here for the for the full. Uh, the that's full good. Thing, good. Know? Good for you, man. Good for you. That's that's what we do during football season. I remember those days. I'm I'm lucky enough to be where I am now doing the sidelines. Yeah, but you're still just as long as me. I my day is day. long. Luckily, I get to go to the stadium. And by the way, so everybody knows. In, in case you don't know this, because you might not have, because this is the first Sunday game, we have a brand new um, pregame area for everybody. The pregame area is right outside the Bills store, essentially out at uh, Found, Founders Plaza, and you'll see the WGR tent there. Uh, the pregame show will take place there. I'll be joining the pregame show. I'm not sure exactly. I think Jeremy will be broadcasting there. Maybe not. I know Howard will. So, But we'll be out there tomorrow. Come on out. Say hi before the game. You'll hear from me. You'll hear from WGR. And we are right out there in the middle of everything. It was great last week. It was awesome. Lots of people came by. They were watching. They were taking pictures. They were saying hi. In between breaks, we got to talk. So we will have that tomorrow as well set up uh, right outside. Before I get to Bill's cards, just read... Super Bowl 51. Super Bowl L-I. Isn't that how Jet Li spells his last name? L-I? Super Bowl Super Bowl Jet Li. You know who's going to be performing at halftime? I'm trying to find a breaking news hotbed here. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's kind of breaking news because it'll be made official tomorrow, I believe. It's been rumored for a while. It's been kind of out there, but tomorrow is going to be the actual breaking news, or not, I should say the actual official announcement. Are you ready? Do you got it? Because I can't wait any longer. Nah, there's nothing. All right, that's right. Just do it. Just pretend you do it with your mouth. Bum, bum. There you go. Uh, Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga is reportedly going to be announced tomorrow as the halftime performer of Super Bowl Jet Li, L.I. She did perform at Super Bowl 50 singing the national anthem before the game. That was just this last one. She was quite good. She's she's great. She's a great entertainer. That halftime, or that... uh... National anthem was Whitney Houston esque. It was it was great. She she is a great entertainer. Um. However, I do wonder who she'll be joined by. I shouldn't say however. Additionally, I do wonder who she who she's going to be joined by because now the trend is Nate right in in halftime shows for Super Bowl. There's a headline performer and then there's special guests who no one kind of knows. Who was it last year? I have to go back and look. But there were a bunch of them. Coldplay played. Yes. But then who came out? They were dancing on the field with their high heels on. Was it like a country group? No, 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 no. Um, R&B, but I have to remember who it was. Somebody's going to tell me on Twitter. But anyway, that's been the trend. So I wonder. You remember the uh, you remember the year Madonna did it? And like CeeLo came out and the guys who sing that crazy, you know, Funky stuff, whatever, the guy with the hair and the, the where's the box, what's his name? They do uh, party, 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 oh, party rockers, uh, LMFO, uh, LMFAO. Yeah, yeah they, they came out. Like, I don't think anybody knew that they were going to come out. But a few oh, years so ago, it's going to be like a secret. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Maybe some people get wind of it, but it's never really advertised like that, mm. which is kind of cool. 
So we'll see who the other people are tomorrow, uh, or at least during the Super Bowl. But tomorrow, allegedly, we will hear that Lady Gaga is going to be doing that. Announced. Beyonce, thank you. Thank you, Scott. My buddy Scott just texted me. He said Beyonce was last year who did that. That's kind of like a pretty high-key special guest. That's like a Yeah, but I mean, like, and some people probably knew, like, oh, yeah, Beyonce's going to be joining. But if you're just a casual fan and you're like, oh, Coldplay is doing Super Bowl halftime, and you're not really paying attention to, plus they'll be joined by, which gets reported, you're just expecting Coldplay, and then, boom, there's Beyonce. You know, you're watching Madonna, and then, boom, there's LMFAO. And, boom, there's CeeLo. Because that's what happens now. Uh, Bruno Mars, he was out there, joined somebody a few years ago. Uh, remember Red Hot Chili Peppers joined, came in. They weren't the headline. They came out. I mean, yeah, so all the, this happens a lot now. What's the first Super Bowl halftime you remember, Young Buck? I, I don't know because it... If you were born in 91, you probably had to remember around 98, 99. Somewhere in there would be your first okay. one you'd remember. I, it would be the first Super Bowl is the 99 that I really remember. That Tennessee. Or, did, yep. well, it was, one yard. It was yep. Tennessee at the time? Yeah, Tennessee yes. and uh, the Rams. But I have no idea who did the halftime show that year. I'll have to look that, that up. That's good trivia. To look it up. Super Bowl halftime show. Yeah, you have to, people could name a lot of the ones, but they couldn't they, name, the, name the exact. Right. The, how I would do it, though, how I would do it is I would remember kind of the setting. Like, okay, grass field, mm-hmm. outdoors. Like, I know Prince did in the rain, which that means it was the Bears and the Colts. Yes. Okay, because that mm-hmm. rained in Miami that night, and I know he did it in yep. the rain. So that's how I tie it into my head and how I remember. That's a good one. I know that um, – this was a good one. I know that uh, they had – Justin Justin Timberlake and oh, and Britney Spears the exposure and, one. And, no, no, one? wait, hold on. Oh, okay, no, no, it wasn't one? Justin Timberlake. It was like actually in sync. Oh, sorry, it was in sync no. with Britney Spears and Aerosmith and Run DMC. Like they were all together in Tampa, the year that the Ravens beat the Giants. Wow, two thousand one. That's like an all star. It was amazing. Wow. It was amazing. Aerosmith was like the headline, and then out comes Britney wow. and NSYNC and oh yeah. I'm trying to remember the Cardinals Pittsburgh Super Bowl halftime. That was also in Tampa. I don't remember who performed. I'd have to go back and look. I don't remember who performed. That was in Tampa. Of course, one of my favorites. I'm a big U2 fan. They did it right after 9 11, mm-hmm. uh, the year that the Patriots won their first Super Bowl on their run now that they're on. Uh, you know, and they came back and they beat the Rams and Brady in the last, you know, and uh, took them down the field and they, they got a field goal. Uh, that was a, a, a terrific halftime. I remember that one tremendously, but lots of good ones in there. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you, you could probably remember a lot of them. You just don't remember which ones. Like Bruno Mars, I think was the one in New York. Did the one in New York when they had at that was Seattle when they beat the you know what out of Peyton Manning. All right, well, Lady Gaga. That's what uh, that's what it looks like is going to be happening tomorrow. Seems like the announcement. A couple things I noticed about. I took note. Talking with Bills players, coaches people in the organization, listening to press conferences, things like that, about new offensive coordinator Anthony Lynn, what this offense is going to look like, what his philosophy is going to be. A couple things. First, from, from his perspective, it's clear that he wants to be a little more fast-paced, maybe a lot more fast-paced. I would not be surprised if tomorrow... You see some no huddle or some half huddle, if you will, just kind of 
crowd around at the line, get the call, boom. Especially because they're at home, you shouldn't have the communication issues with the crowd. You could maybe go even more no huddle. But I, I'm not saying it's going to happen. It's going to be faster. I just wouldn't be surprised if that happens. I think he really wants to go at a faster pace, which is why he has said, and other players have said, the volume has been cut down. In fact, John Miller, I talked with him in the locker room, and this is what he said about the plays, and I think there's a misconception about maybe how they're running it and what volume means. It's not necessarily that they're going to use less uh, verbiage on every single play. That's going to go with the territory, but it's really more about less that they're working on, that they're going to put in the game plan, that they can concentrate on to just run those plays in the game. I don't feel like it's simplified that much. Yeah, we cut a few things out, but at the end of the day, we have more than enough bullets, and we go into this game plan with less, a little less value, but for me and, and the other guys up front, it don't really matter to us because at the end of the day, we still have to execute the plays that's, that's called and installed. That's John Miller, Bill's guard. So they're going to be practicing, I would say, let's say they normally have, what did we hear, 80 to 90 plays, they go into a week practicing, something like that. I think that was the number we had heard, and maybe LaShawn even said that, but whatever it is. Let's say that is the number. I'm expecting 30 to 40 then this week instead. And out of those 30 to 40 plays, you basically you might only get 70 snaps. So some you still only use once. And you can always change and massage the plays as you go. And you don't have to have totally repped out every single play in practice. But some plays are kind of offshoots of other plays where you say, all right, we've been doing this. All we need here is let's fake that and maybe you know bootleg out the backside or something like that. You know, those are things you do during the game. But it's clear that a couple things are going to happen with this offense. A, they're going to go faster. I don't know exactly how fast they're going to go faster, though. B, they're going to not have as much to think about because they're going to get a play that they've worked on that they've kind of pared down and understood before the game, the offense I mean by they, that this is this this is the group of plays we're going to run. Know them by heart because when we get out there, we're just running these plays. That's it. We're not worried about these other ones where your head is spinning and maybe you're thinking a little bit too much. I think that's what people think may have been going on. Which, with that, brings, to me, less personnel substitutions. If you're going to run faster and you're going to run less volume, it would be a natural conclusion that there will be fewer personnel substitutions in the game. Now, if you're watching on TV tomorrow, I don't think you'll notice it all that much. You might notice a little bit of a faster offense, but you won't be able to see how the communication is being relayed quicker, maybe, from the sidelines or the booth now to Tyrod Taylor, and you won't be able to see the personnel and substitutions and how much different it might be. If you're at the game tomorrow, I think it'll be a noticeable difference from week one at home against the Jets if you went, or if you happen to notice it at all in any way, uh, week week one against Baltimore, or I should say week two against the Jets. But you get my drift. If you're at the game, you'll see it better, you'll notice it better, you'll see the substitutions and how they're going in and out. You'll see, to me, how Tyrod Taylor is getting the plays quicker, getting in the huddle quicker, because that's what the aim is here. That's why this change was made, Partly. So it better happen, by the way, I mean, partly because of this that we're talking about. And Anthony Lynn even said that. And by the way, he is going to be up in the booth. He will not be on the sidelines. I'll tell you what the difference is there and why they're doing that after we hear from him about using wristbands to get the plays in quicker. 
You know, you never want to run a bad play as an offense coordinator. So sometimes you get to the line of scrimmage, you want to give your offense the flexibility to get out of a play and into another play, but you got to get out of the huddle. We're going to use the wristband, so I'm going to call it in. Tyrod's going to get it a whole lot quicker. When we make changes at the line of scrimmage, it should happen a little quicker and give us a chance to maybe use a cadence. So they will make changes at the line of scrimmage. However, a lot of you have asked me this week, how much freedom did Tyrod Taylor have under Greg Roman to change plays at the line of scrimmage? And will that be any different, more or less, under Anthony Lynn? I think the answer to my question here will surprise you. This starts with me asking him the question about that very thing. How much freedom did or did not he have? And I'm only telling you that because you might not hear that to start. But you will hear the answer to that question from Anthony right here. Does Tyrod have the ability to get out of any play, change whatever he needs to play, change at any time? Some. Some. And we cut back on that a little bit. We're going to have more call it and run it concepts. Hmm. More call-it-and-run-it concepts. Now, I was on with Howard and Jeremy yesterday morning, and Howard said he thinks he took it to mean that maybe Tyrod wasn't handling that that well. I didn't take it like that. I just think it just goes hand-in-hand with, I want to run something faster. That means i got to get you the play. you got to run it. Don't worry about anything else. If you see something, go ahead, but trust what I'm calling because we need to run faster. We need to get the plays in quicker, to the line quicker, and you running it faster. So I think that's where that comes from. But Howard said he thought and took it to mean that maybe Tyrod wasn't handling those checks at the line of scrimmage well. I didn't take it that way. I took it as, hey, man, we're going to go fast. So if we're going to go fast, we can't change a lot of stuff. Let's go out to uh, Hammer and OP. Hey, Hammer and WGR. Hey, me out, Sal. Uh, I wanted to say you know, for this game coming up, I hope they, they can be better on third down both sides of the ball. Got to give the fans credit. That last game had to be tough. You know, third down on D, we kept kept uh, giving up plays, especially that first drive was, was killer. But, yeah, and that first drive, look what happened. You had Gilmore was really the guy that was victimized throughout it. He had the the pass down the sidelines on third down to Anunwa that, that that kept the drive alive. Then he was called for a hold, which by the way he didn't hold. Uh, the receiver fell down, but they did call him for that. And then he missed the tackle, which. He should have made him. He needs to be better at tackling. He can't dive in like that. That's what also was another reason for the third down. Yeah, I was surprised with him. He's usually a good tackler. I, I, I thought I saw him miss a couple tackles that, that game. Well, his problem is he tackles like he's torpedoing instead of actually wrapping people up, and I think that's how he's gotten hurt in his career as well so far. Yeah. yeah All right. Yeah, thank you. I agree about the third downs. Thanks, Hammer. I agree about the third downs. you got to be better. And the only way this offense is going to – really be any better is by staying on the field and getting first downs. I just I think you got to go more with the quick strike pass game. Do more things that other teams are doing. Tyrod Taylor's a smart guy. He'll he'll find it if you give him opportunity to look at the field and find the matchup he likes. I believe that. I need to see it for it to be true. But I think he's a smart enough guy to do that. But you gotta, I think, spread teams out a little bit more. You gotta go quicker. You gotta allow guys to get the ball in their hands so they can make plays. And I think that is all a big reason why Anthony Lynn, you know, came in. One more from Anthony Lynn, then I'll tell you what I heard from the players that I thought was pretty interesting this week. We've had a lot of great concepts in, but I think when you want better execution, you, you reduce the variables. And so uh, we cut back a little bit so the guys can go out and play fast, not think so much, and uh, make plays. You reduce the verbals. So volume, verbiage, verbals. <laughs> We're playing Scrabble this week at One Bills Drive, apparently. 
Got a lot of points for those. I found it interesting, and, and I'm going to say this, and a lot of you are going to have different opinions about whether or not it should matter. Most will say it shouldn't matter. I will agree. But you'll have a lot of opinions about this particular thing that I noticed, which is three different offensive players, at least that I heard from. Could, it be, could be more that have said it throughout the week, but three different offensive players, and I'll tell you who they are. Tyrod Taylor. LaShawn McCoy and Richie Incognito through conversations with them this week and with the media. Okay. When they were talking with the whole media, not just me, they all made a casual mention. And I say casual because I don't think it's something that's super, super so important to them, but I think it it matters to them. They made casual conversation and casual mention that quote, Anthony Lynn played the game End quote. He played the game. He played in the NFL. He played the game. He understands us as players. He sees things from a player's perspective. These are all things that they said, essentially throughout the week, that caught my ear. Now, no one's going to sit here and tell you, and if you think it's true, I don't know, I can't help you anymore. No one's going to sit here and tell you that you had to have played in the NFL to be a successful NFL head coach. Bill freaking Belichick did not play in the NFL. Lots of head coaches, very successful head coaches, did not play in the NFL. Maybe most of them, actually, when you think about it. But even this head coach that these guys are playing for did not play in the NFL. But I do think, I do think, and this is something they'd have to tell you yes or no. This is my interpretation of what I've heard. I do think for players... Their position coaches, it matters to them and maybe even coordinators more than head coaches because head coach is kind of more of a delegator and a leader, whereas the coordinators are drawing up plays, they're calling plays, position coaches are teaching them technique. I think it matters to players in this league more if their position coach played in the league because they feel that position coach or and or coordinator sees things the way they see things and not just, hey, this will work because I've watched film. Whether you think that's fair or not, I don't know. It's probably not fair on a lot of levels, to be honest with you. But I understand because let's put ourselves in any position like that. How many times have you had a conversation with anybody in life that you've said, well, you've never experienced it, so you don't know? I mean, you do say that sometimes, right? I know I've said that to people, whether no matter what it's about. When you have kids, right? And someone's telling you about raising kids and they don't have a kid. And you're like, well, you don't have a kid. So you don't kind of know yet whether you're, you're not trying to be a jerk, maybe. But it's true. You think in your own mind, someone who's been through it, someone who's been there can speak to how I'm seeing this situation. And from my dealings and reporting and whatever with people this week down there with players especially it seems to me the players it matters to them more if a coach or coordinator position coach or coordinator played and and maybe that's because maybe this all circles back to the Greg Roman lack of inclusiveness point Because if they feel that Roman, and they felt that Roman wasn't being inclusive enough, then 
by nature, they're going to feel you're not listening to me and I'm the one on the field when you've never been down there playing in my position. I think that's a natural conclusion or leap for anybody, any guy, any player who says, okay, you're not including me. You're not asking me what I think. I'm telling you what I think. You're not down there. You haven't been there. You've never been there. Again, it might be unfair to you. I understand that. I'm not telling you it shouldn't be. But I do think it's a thing. They all they all noted it. They all said it. So it's got to be a thing. He played the game. He knows what it's like. He's been he's been in our position. Not an outright slam on Roman. I think just more of a hey, it matters to us that we give feedback to somebody who's played because they understand what we're saying kind of thing. That's the way I took it. Let's go to uh, Tony in Buffalo before the break. Hi, Tony. You're on WGR. Hey, Sal. Thanks. Good observations. I had a question. You know, I'm, I'm kind of down, as many people are on the Bills right now. And I look at the roster. This is a much more talented roster than we've probably had in five to seven years, which leads me to the coaching question. Is the coaching that they're receiving that bad? Because you look at a guy like Chan Gailey, who had very little to work with other than maybe Spiller, and Fred Jackson, and he got a whole good amount out of the team. And now we've got a lot of talented guys. We've re-signed some of our top draft picks, and we can't stop anybody. We can't move the ball on offense. And does that speak to the coaching they're receiving right now? Well, I think it's a fair question. I'll even go back to a couple years ago. I think last year was a little more talented than this year, but I think Doug Marone had a less talented roster and still won more games. I, I, I completely agree. I mean, I look at Doug Marone... I would even go to Dick Duran's team, who were equivalent to the Bills schedule-wise last year, record-wise, excuse me, and they're still they're getting more out of the players. And is that a direct result of, are these guys not playing, not understanding uh, the Rex Ryan stuff? Or possibly, this has even been thrown about a lot too, has the NFL passed these guys by, the Ryans by, with their, NFL ide- with their uh, defensive ideas? Well, I'll say this, uh, Tony, and you know, I, I know when I say this, people t- say that I'm defending or making excuses. I'm not. I will tell you this, because I think any logical observer will say, last week was more about guys not making plays. Stephon Gilmore and Ron Darby got beat. I don't think it was about a scheme that Rex Ryan em- implored, and I thought they were pretty good on defense in week one. So I'm willing to give that defense a shot here, because I think that actually it looks it's looked pretty good, except for two guys who basically got abused last week, and I think that's on them more than it is on their coach. I mean, I agree with you. I was at the game, and the first drive, our D-line seemed to actually be penetrating. Yep. They were making some terrific plays, and our, our quarterbacks were getting beaten. But as the game progressed, and part of that might be that they were on the field a really long time, yeah. but as the game progressed, I mean, Forte was more involved in the game. He had a really good game. And it wasn't just on the, CP, uh, the the DBs at that point. That's true. I mean, they only averaged three point four yards a carry. They just kept they they got they picked their spots pretty well. But um, I I understand your complete point overall, and I think it's a valid question to ask. And that's how you judge any coach is how much are you getting from the talent that we've given you, right? I mean, Hugh Jackson is zero and two. He has nobody to work with. I think Hugh Jackson's a very good coach in Cleveland. But man, you got to give the guy some players. Why don't you? Absolutely, absolutely, and. You know, nothing is more indicative of coaching than what we've watched the last three weeks with the Patriots. You know, basically bringing anybody in to play, I shouldn't say anybody, but... It seems like it. It it feels like it. (laughs) If Edelman comes in next week... Oh, God. The Bills... I mean, I think we're all going to be... Oh, God help us. I'm glad you brought it up. I'm going to talk about the Patriots next, Tony. Thanks, uh, Thanks a lot. Have a great weekend. You too. All right, listen. 
on that note, oh my dear God, let's talk about the Patriots when when when, come, when we come back, shall we? Because they really might start Julian Edelman at quarterback next week for the Bills. Oh, I I got to spend some time talking about the Patriots. I I have to. I'm sorry. We'll do it next on Sports Talk Saturday. I'm going to test my man Nate Geary's basketball knowledge soon. Soon. I know you like the NBA. We're going to do that before the top of the hour. At the top of the hour, we'll shift gears a little bit because the Sabres opened camp this week. And Paul Hamilton is all over that. And he'll join me here on WGR Sports Radio 550. So tell me about these halftime shows you've looked up. The the I was right about that uh, NSYNC. Britney Spears, Aerosmith, and Run DMC all did 2001 together in Tampa, correct? Yeah, that was Prince a, was uh, in the rain in 2007 in yep. Miami, right? Yep, you were right. Okay. Let's see. So, what, but but oh, thank you, tweeters. Thank you, tweeters, by the way. We were asking earlier some of the people that have come out recently that never were, you know, um, never were actually part of the headline act, but they became part of it. Beyonce, and then the one that I think people forgot that I forgot to say was... Um, Missy Elliott. Yes. That was a couple years ago. Yes. And one that's interesting that you that you pointed out too, that that like that second act that nobody really talks about, that and they're usually very different. Mm-hmm. In twenty fourteen, Bruno Mars did his and the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I, I came said out. that. I said it. That's, Red, that's but I didn't remember which combo. one. Yeah, it's a, Red Hot Chili Peppers yeah. came out. Yep. But because Bruno Mars was actually the second the second act in one of those deals. Whereas then it, he became and his band became the headline act and then they piggybacked off that. With something else. So that's kind of what the halftime has become. In case you missed it, the reason we're talking about that tomorrow, it looks like on the pregame show, uh, one of the networks, whoever's there in the Super Bowl, I think CBS, they're going to announce that Lady Gaga is going to be the halftime performer, the headline act of Super Bowl Jet Lee. That's Super Bowl LI, by the way, Super Bowl 51. Right now, Chad Kelly and the fighting Ole Miss Rebels are beating Georgia 17 to nothing. So I'm expecting two or three Chad Kelly calls here before the top of the hour, I'm sure, because people are watching the game and they think that Chad Kelly needs to be the quarterback of the Bills next year. I'm fine if the Bills draft Chad Kelly, but I don't want to talk about drafting a quarterback in the first round right now. I just don't. I know some of you do. Whatever. They're not tanking for Chad Kelly. Stop. He's a fine college player. He might even be a fine NFL player when it's all said and done. Can we just play the Arizona Cardinals tomorrow, though? Yeah. And then what? Plus, he's the Deshauns are going to be the guys. They are. You can't go out and get Lamar Jackson. He is only a sophomore. <sighs> Man, he, he looks good. Yes, he does. I, I who would you rather have? I'd rather have Kaiser over Watson. Oh yeah, I'd rather have Kaiser over Watson. Oh yeah, right. Kaiser's big, strong. I but mean, there's still a lot of work to be done in these guys, man. You, you he's know, a, he's only a redshirt sophomore. Because I think that if because after Cardale Jones played three games, everybody wanted him. Yep. And there was a there were there were flaws in his game that weren't exposed until his second year starting, or at least the half year his first yeah. full year starting, which was last year. And then he actually got benched because he was so raw and he wasn't actually playing the position the way that he needed to play the position. So I think there's a lot of work to be done there. But the Bills go to New England after this Arizona game, and right now, as we all know, as the country knows, but we notice here in Buffalo especially. The Patriots are 3-0, and and they've done it with Jimmy Garoppolo playing a, what, six quarters? When did Brissett come in? Did he come in in the second half of that Miami game for a little while? Maybe the fourth quarter, right? 
wait, oh, the Miami game? No, I think it came in like at the end of the second quarter. Right? Or was it he, or was it like the either beginning way, of the so, third quarter? So either way, he's played about six quarters. Yeah. And he now is he's injured. So Garoppolo played about six quarters. Whenever it was, Brissett came in and played about six quarters. They're three and oh through the twelve quarters they played. They beat a very good Arizona team, which I think is very good, very talented, coming here tomorrow. They could have had a field goal, uh, Arizona, at the end of the game that was missed that maybe they would have won. But right now the Patriots, uh, you know, after that game, the Patriots won. Then they go home to Miami and just absolutely throttle the Dolphins, who are horrible, by the way. The Miami Dolphins are just a bad football team. And I know, I know. Here's a guy in Buffalo on the radio talking about another team in the division being bad when the Bills are 0-2 and have looked bad. I get it. I'm allowed to have opinions about other teams, too, though. It doesn't matter. And Miami's bad. They're just bad. Tease for my three-dog Saturday picks coming your way in an hour, by the way. Miami's giving up nine and a half. I might take Cleveland. I'm not going to tell you for sure until then because I want you to listen. I got three picks coming your way, three underdogs in an hour. Then they have Houston on a short rest with Jacoby Brissett playing quarterback. They win that game. Brissett does not look great. He looks okay. He does. He's a he is a total game manager. They did not need him to do much because the defense was very very good against Houston's offense. Brock Osweiler making. What's he making? Twenty million a year? Come on, eighteen million a year? Whatever it is. I mean, what? What he looked like? Not the kind of quarterback you want to pay that kind of money. But that is the Bill Belichick take away what you do best coaching philosophy. That's what he does. He takes away what you do best. And I don't know what in the world Bill O'Brien was doing in that game. That was one of the more poorly coached games I had seen game plan wise they had no idea what to expect with Brissett which I get part of that but man mix in a little bit of blitzing and some pressure and try and figure out a way to get J.J. Watt loose because he could eat Jacoby Brissett and I don't even mean like in football terms he literally could eat Jacoby Brissett if he's got the kind of name like a Brissett sounds like a breakfast type of deal he could have actually eaten him if you actually put him in a spot to do that while he's turning over tires on his way to him, posing for photo shoots and telling you how great he is chopping wood. He could have. But because Bill Belichick takes away the best thing that you do, now J.J. Watt is 0 for 4 in games, getting any sack at all against New England. So now here New England is 3-0, and possibly, possibly playing Julian Edelman or player X at quarterback next week against the Bills. And Julian Edelman was a fine college quarterback. He's not an NFL quarterback. And there is no, I mean, can you imagine, can you imagine right now what this show is going to sound like, this radio station is going to sound like, and I don't mean by even the hosts, I mean by you, the callers. But yes, the hosts too, but you, the callers. If the Bills were to go to New England and lose to Julian Edelman playing quarterback, can you imagine? You might as well just take a blowtorch to all of the equipment in your producer's room because that's what's going to happen on the phone lines. I think you are on the air, by the way, that Saturday, not me. The Saturday after the New England game. Because the Bills go to L.A. Yeah, God help you. Hope you you better you better root you better hope the Bills win that game. I just for you for your your sake. Who's producing? Derek Kramer. Okay, you better for your own sanity and safety and health and well being. 
you better hope the Bills win that game because there will be pitchforks, not for you, but for Rex Ryan. People at our station coming here like that, I think. Oh, my God. Yeah. I think, oh, my God. I think what I might have to do for that show is prepare a list of college quarterbacks. <laughs> you do. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. But that's what's going to happen. You'll be on that show. I'll tell Derek to be, be careful. Lock, lock the doors. Put Batten down the hatches if they will. Maybe don't take any calls that day. Maybe just don't take any calls. It's you and Derek. Just do what you got to do on the air. But can you imagine how it's going to sound if that happens? I think Rex Ryan should be able to beat not only Jacoby Brissett, but Jimmy Garoppolo. He should. You got to get through this game, though, first. And I don't know who's going to play quarterback for the Patriots. My sense is Garoppolo will play that game, though. That's my sense at this point. Let's go to Mark in Jersey. Hi, Mark. You're on WGR. How are you doing, Sal? Good. As it, you know, talking about the Patriots, if, if you notice something also very, very different about them, their coaching staff compared to many is very, very small. And, you know, 12, 13 coaches, and as it relates to the Bills, you know, this, this recent thing with Roman, you know, Lynn saying, well, I wouldn't run a different system. It's like, just from that statement, they're kind of not on the same page. Like, you'd want all your coaches to be, you know, kind of in lockstep with the same sort of, you know, system and philosophy. And you've noticed the Patriots have jettisoned coaches before, kind of, I guess, once, you know, that way that so the message doesn't get get lost. It's like if you look at Houston, there's like five former either Patriot players or coaches on their, on their coaching staff. Right. Yes. You know, Bill had a good book on what they were going to do. Cause I think I think the head coach and both coordinators were were all Patriots players or, or, or coaches at one point. You got Bill O'Brien, you got George Godsey as the offensive coordinator who was with uh, O'Brien when he was in New England as I think his quarterbacks coach or something, assistant. And then you have, of course, Cornell. So I think that's a that's a fair point. Yeah, Mike Vrabel also and right. Larry Izzo is a special teams coordinator, and they mm-hmm. had three uh, turnovers on special teams. It's actually interesting how. Mark, that lots of Patriots assistants have gone on to other places over the years and none have been really successful as head coaches. Yeah, O'Brien's about the most successful one. So far, and he's he's still early in his coaching career, head coach career. Yeah, I just, I just think that, you know, obviously, you know, Belichick is the maestro, him and his boy up there, uh, Ernie Adams, and they just, you know, they're in their lab, I guess, if you really want to, anybody wants to use that tag they can use it because they they do they do the best (laughs) yeah they're certainly they're certainly doing a great job this year with that team so you know what the bills have in front of them next week i mean it would change the conversation a lot if the bills could win on sunday it really can if the bills win tomorrow it really makes next week interesting i I believe that it's going to be a fun week thinking about who's going to play quarterback and rex ryan trying to get to even at two and two in that game i think a loss to the cardinals I mean, it's going to be holy cow, hell-breaking-loose week here in Buffalo leading up to that game, maybe, with with people ready to bust through it if they lose. But I think if the Bills win, obviously you calm down some of the masses. But, Mark, I think it makes next week really interesting then. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I, it's funny. I wish I could just get fast-forward to next week. Uh, yeah, but you got to win this one first. That's what makes it interesting, you know? Win, win this one and next week get yeah. a little more, but... Uh, a really small note, God, Jamie Collins is so good. I wish the Bills had a linebacker like that. That guy is just amazing. He was all over the field Thursday. can do anything. He diagnoses plays so quickly. 
he lined up at defensive tackle a few times, ran out and covered a uh, a, a running back and tackled him for no gain. It was was amazing. Yeah, I think I remember the play you're talking about. All right, Mark, thanks, buddy. Have a good weekend. Thanks, so. Yeah, no problem. We're going to take a timeout, and when I come back, we're going to test Nate Geary's basketball knowledge. Kevin Garnett retired, and I'm putting his career into perspective here with young Nate Geary, and we'll test him on WGR. Sometimes maybe I say things that get lost in translation. At Sale Sports from Chris. Basically kind of making fun of me, I guess. Quote, Rex Ryan should be able to beat Jimmy Garoppolo. Yep, I said that. That's right. And he's and I'm absolutely 100% telling you that is exactly right. Rex Ryan, with his defensive IQ, you should expect him. You should expect that coach to beat almost any backup quarterback in this league. And if he does not do that, then he deserves all your scorn. That's my point. I'm not telling you, and I didn't say, and I don't mean, hey, he should be able to beat him. Like, ah, this is, no, I'm not telling you I even expect it to happen. I'm telling you, that coach, with how he plays defense and what he's known for, better, better be able to beat Jimmy Garoppolo and Jacoby Brissett. And if not, then he deserves all the scorn. That's the point I'm making. Maybe when I say things, it gets lost in translation, or sometimes people want to hear me say something I didn't because that's what they want to believe. I'm not accusing Chris of that. I'm just saying that happens sometimes. But my point is, yes, he should be. He should be able. To, he should be. He should be expected to beat Case Keenum. He should be expected to beat Jared Goff if he plays. He should be expected to beat Blaine Gabbert. Those are not world-beating quarterbacks. This coach with his defense and his history and what he's known for and why you hired him, should be expected to beat all of the non-really good quarterbacks in this league. The really good ones, hey, it's going to be a fight. You never know. Might win, might lose. And I mean, by the way, the defensive side. Nothing I can do if, if, you know, if Rex Ryan holds Jimmy Garoppolo to a bad day and 13 points and the Bills lose, that's not his defensive fault. What I'm saying is, You should expect your head coach for what he was hired for and what he's known for to beat Jimmy Garoppolo. And I'm not telling you it's going to happen. I don't know. But it should happen, and if it doesn't, he deserves all your scorn. Hope that clears it up, Chris. All right. Kevin Garnett. He's retiring. I'm going to give you a stat. Tell me where you think he ranks real quickly in these stats actively. Active players, meaning he's still playing even though he's actually not. All right. Field goals. Fourth. He's first. Uh, <laughs> wow. Three-point field goals. I'm sorry. Not. I was going to say. Sorry. Two-point two point field goals. Oh, two-point field goals. Yep. Well, I mean, I'm going to say first. That's correct. Um, hold on. Total minutes played. Active. Ooh. He's got to be first. He's first. Games played. Active. First. He's, of course, first. Um, are you sensing a theme here? Steals. Fifth. He's first. Really? Total rebounds. 
All right, well, he's got to be first there. Total first. Defensive rebounds. He's first. Blocks. Second. First. What? Amazing, right? Holy cow, the big ticket. He actually has three nicknames he goes by according to his reference page. What are they? The big ticket. Yep. KG. Oh, yeah, KG. Okay. And the kid. They call him the kid, I guess, when he came in the league. I think when he came in the league. Here's the the real trivia, though. Ready? Yep. He is fourth on the list in active points. Active points, fourth on the list. Can you tell me the top five? Active. He's fourth. Give me the other five. Give me the other four, excuse me, for the top five. Paul Pierce. It depends. Is he considered still active? He is, and he is number three. Good job. So, Paul Pierce. Um... LeBron James. He's two. Okay. You got two, three, and four. Garnett is four. All right. Um, let's see here. After that, I got to think of somebody who's been around for a while. That's correct. Um, Has one title. This is tougher. Wasn't than too long ago. Played in a couple finals. Dwayne Wade? I think a couple is finals, Dwayne right? Wade up there? Dwayne is seventh. Okay, so he's close. I think a couple finals for this, right? Yeah, and one title. Beat Miami in the finals with LeBron. Because uh, everybody I've been thinking of is basically like a Euro. new star. Euro. Oh, so this was going to be Dirk Nowitzki. That's sure. right. You got Dirk, LeBron, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and then after that, I don't know, is he still Vince Carter? I mean, he's considered active. Oh, well, he's Isn't been that crazy? That's I know. Yeah, he is still active. He plays for Memphis. And then you got Dwayne, Dwayne Wade at seven. Who's six? Hmm. Very big star in the league. Ooh, right now, currently yes. a big star? big star in the league right now. In fact, he's made a lot more headlines lately than maybe he has you know over the last... Carmelo Anthony. That's right. So your active points leaders in the NBA, Dirk, LeBron, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, Vince Carter, Carmelo, and Dwayne Wade. Vin- Kevin Garnett, though, amazing. What a career he has had. He came in as a teenager, never went to college. 1997, all right? I'm sorry, 1995. Sorry, 1995, he comes into the league, all right? He's been playing all these years. He, uh, he ranks... In his career, first in game active, right now amongst active players, games played, minutes played, field goals, field goal attempts. Uh, I'm sorry, it's second in active field goal attempts. Got to see who's first. Two-point field goals. Uh, like I said, he's first in steals, which is amazing. He's seventh in assists. Yeah, that's crazy. Just to bring it around, Rebounds, though, first. the Carmel Anthony point before we go to break, you know, I, I was talking about this with somebody, and Carmelo Anthony currently in like the all-time scoring list is like top 25 an all-time scoring list, by the time he's done, he could potentially be like a top 15, top 10 scorer of all time. And, and I mean, I know I'm a huge, huge Carmelo Anthony fan just from the Syracuse days and everything like that. I don't think he gets enough credit for being the player, offensive power that he is. He's a great offensive player. Yeah. He has never been a great defensive no. player. And that's been part of it. And he's never... Here's the problem with Carmelo. I'm not talking college because he won there. I know that. In the NBA, he's never made players around him better. That's the problem. He's always been the guy... And he's a great, great talent, but he's never made players around him better like others. All right, we got to take a timeout. Paul's on the way. We'll take a quick timeout. I'm late getting to the break. We'll get to him. Sabres camp open this week here on WGR. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.